Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of the Cult Spark Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about entertainments of the cult and geek varieties, uh, especially of the Marvel variety. So it's not going to be a big surprise that for this episode, we're going to be talking nothing but Avengers Infinity War. Hi, I'm Bob Taylor. Stuart Smith is back joining me as usual, and as we talk about the latest epic Marvel movie, we are going to be dropping tons of spoilers. Wait, Um, what? (laughs) It's true. Bob, I swear to God, if you spoil this for me. (laughs) Well, let's see. It's been out. By the time I edit this and put this out, it'll have been out about a week. And based on uh, the box office, I think everyone's seen it at this point. But if for some reason you haven't, if for some reason you're the last person in America who hasn't seen Infinity War... Go My dad won't have seen it, but he doesn't, your, listen to, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, I'm actually taking him on wait, Saturday. Why so. doesn't your dad listen to our podcast? you got to get him on board. We need the listeners, man. That's it's your funny. dad. Doesn't he support your endeavors? Does your dad listen to the podcast? I don't think I've ever asked him. My mom does, or has. <laughs> I don't know if she's a regular listener, but she has. No, my dad would get two minutes in and be like, I, I ain't doing my my dad couldn't figure out how to listen to this podcast. He'd be like, "Wait, I have to. I, it's on my phone, and I have to go to Apple Podcasts." What? He, he would never get to the point where he could push play. <laughs> all right, let all right, let's move on past our parents. Enough of talking about our parents. Anyway, yes. So tons of spoilers. Uh, before we get into spoilers and uh, talk about some of the conversations that have been circling around the movie and stuff, uh, my review is up. If you haven't, you can go to cultspark.com and read my review. But we have not gotten Stu's general take yet. So, Stu, give us your mini audio review of Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it, you know, it's it's two and a half plus hours of just it, it's like reading, a, a you know, one of those giant sized issues that would come out, you know, like once a year or whatever uh, in the comics realm. It, it It's difficult to judge it as a film because there's so much baggage attached. I mean, there's literally a decade worth of, of a baggage attached to this movie. Uh, and it, and it feels like something bigger than just your, you know, than any other, uh, summer tentpole movie that would come out because it isn't, I mean, it, this, this, if ever there was a film that was something more, something greater than even the sum of its parts. And that, I think that's the best way to describe this movie is that it is in fact greater than, you know, any one part, because really, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of disparate stories um, that never really intersect. Like once everybody kind of goes their own way uh, and once, you know, characters get paired off and grouped up and stuff like that, they don't really inter, uh, in, interact or intersect again so right. it, there's know, for, like no moment at the end where the full group comes together right which, there, which, there are a couple which is smaller probably like, there are a couple smaller groups that come together but never right. like the full cast if if there's uh probably the one thing that i was the most surprised about in this movie is that uh you know they're the avengers never it's it's almost not really an avengers movie because the avengers don't assemble at all like right. there's there's no uh you know, nobody coalesces again. Uh, it's 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 different. It's good. It works, I think, ultimately. But it, it was definitely not what I was expecting. Well, the thing so. is, is 
I mean, a lot of these other non-Avengers characters are also great. I mean, <laughs> I love, right. well, yeah, I, I love Doctor Strange, and the Guardians the whole... of the Galaxy movies have been huge, and and Bucky Barnes certainly has his fans, and you know, you're I mean, trying the, to service the whole, all the whole of reason people. why this movie works at all is because you know we know and we love these characters, and we just like watching them, and we like watching them. Uh, turns out paired off in really unexpected combinations. I don't know that I would have expected, uh, you know, Rocket Raccoon and Thor to be a, a great little kind of buddy road movie almost. Uh, but that's very much what we get and it works. Uh, it works really well. And just everybody, you know, th this is what 10 years of building up to this stuff earns you is that you can just, this thing just jumps headfirst into everything uh, and knows that you can generally keep up. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to, you know, aside from one very humorous, uh, one of the better laughs in the movie, we don't get an introduction for Steve Rogers. You know, nobody really says his name at any point. Uh, we just know that that's Captain America. We know that that's Steve Rogers, whatever, and we just run with it. And, and this is why we love these movies, and this is why every other studio is just so envious of them and trying to duplicate them, but can't seem to do it. Well, it's like, you know, it's it's funny going back and watching the original Thor or uh, original Iron Man now. It's it's almost a quaint movie. It's tiny. Like it is just it's this really small, subdued, uh, you know, and aside from that uh, end credit stinger, a very self-contained kind of thing. You know what else? Uh, I, I rewatched the original Iron Man not too long ago. And the thing that interested me was. I my memory of Iron Man is that it, it's a you know it's a very funny movie and that when it originally came out it's like oh here's a superhero movie that has a real sense of humor and when you rewatch it now I mean there are jokes there are parts you laugh at but it's not funny in the way Marvel movies have gotten funny you know what I mean like it's not yeah. it's not a you know the Infinity War despite having the dark ending and being so epic is a very funny movie. Uh, the Guardians films, honestly, they went full comedy with the latest Thor movie. And the original Iron Man movie now seems like it's played very straight if you go back and watch it. Well, I mean, there, there's still very much it, it's a conservative movie because, you know, they want to try something uh, audacious, but they don't they very much stay within their bounds, if that makes any kind of sense. You know, so you don't really, uh, you know, you just kind of you get Iron Man playing within his own little playground uh, you know, and it, it's, I, it still has a couple of my favorite lines in the entire MCU, like, you know, Jeff Bridges yelling about Tony Stark building an arc reactor in a cave with scraps still makes me laugh every time I hear it, every time I think about that line. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a, a very, uh, like I said, a very conservative movie in its own way. It, it feels more traditional and, and very much closer to the the superhero movies we were getting before the mcu came along it feels a lot closer to like the earlier x-men movies actually. yeah it does it absolutely does but you know they had downey it was still a, it's still a really good movie and it was something to build on and yeah. that's another thing that makes me laugh thinking about now because i remember back then when you know after that film came out it was a big hit we had the Hulk and Iron Man 2, and then Thor was coming. And I remember all the ham-hawing about, well, how are we going to have magic in this universe that has been very 
tech, technology or techno tech. Why can't I pronounce technologically this? technologically oriented at this point? How is magic and other other outer space and other worlds going to work? And that just seems hilarious at this point. But right, that was yeah. that was a big again, every, everybody again, was almost, concerned about that at the time. Right. Again, almost kind of quaint, you know, thinking about it. Uh, and it and it works. And it's like we had that because they had confidence in their material and they just they they uh, dove headfirst into it. You know, they didn't try to over explain it. They just said, here is the thing. Here it is. It exists in this universe. Run with it. You know, and everybody like the people directing the people acting in it uh, bought into it. And it's like, you know, when you. When you have the people on screen buying into the reality of, of what's being presented, that, I think, you know, allows the audience a, a greater window uh, to buy into it. Because it's like, you know, if, if you can kind of tell that people on screen are secretly embarrassed or don't really know how to, to react or, you know, present, <laughs> present what's being shown, then, you know, that's not going to translate into the audience wanting to you know, go along with, you know, go along with the film. Okay, so we both really like Infinity War. Um, it's not my favorite Marvel movie. It's not in my top five favorite Marvel movies, but it's still a very, very good movie. And I would, I think, everything you could want from a big team up film like this. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want something this huge. It's like, I don't know, it's like this big, huge plate of junk food. You know, it's like, it's got all your favorite things that you've enjoyed, you know, in moderation. Uh, here and there, and now it's just it's all right in front of you, and you engorge yourself. And you know, it's like I don't I don't want that all the time, but every now and then, sure, yeah, it's just a you know, it's just something big and colorful and uh, audacious. Like I really, it's it really is just kind of in, still is insane to me that they have this many characters like this in one film. Yeah, I described it to a friend of mine as you know there. There are there are Marvel movies that are about something like I feel like the Captain America sequels have real sort of ideas thematically under the hoods of those movies. There are Marvel movies that sort of take on the personality of their director. I think sure. the, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy movies do that. I think Thor Ragnarok did that to an extent. Uh, Infinity War doesn't fall under either of those. It's more just about, this is just a movie of Marvel playing with its action figures. It's getting out its entire box of action figures, dumping them on the floor, and having a ball with them. And that's fine. I mean, it, they're superhero movies. Not everyone has to be thematically rich or wildly different in tone. This one's not those things, but, but the, ex not, the excess itself the... almost becomes the point. It's okay to do this once in a while. Well, and that's also not to say that the movie, you know, doesn't have thematic, you know, things on its mind or things that it wants to, you know, examine or say, but they're just, you know, they're definitely not as in the forefront as, say, like Iron Man 3. Right. Which Iron Man 3 would be another example also where the film sort of takes on the personality of its director. Right. 100%. So that one would fit both of those, I believe. Uh. Okay, so let's get into when I wrote this review was hard to write because it was hard to review this movie without dropping spoilers. So I had to put some coded sentences in my review. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to reread that. I want to read those now and then kind of get into a little deeper of what I was talking about. So one part during my review, 
I say that I talk about how long the movie is, and then I say the Russos have said in interviews that Infinity War is more of a standalone film than they originally intended. A part one was dropped from its subtitle before release, and the one-time part two to be released next year will now have a different moniker altogether. And though they may be correct on a technicality, don't think you'll leave this film feeling like you just witnessed a completed story. And what I meant by that is that if Thanos is the protagonist, then this is a completed film. That's the technicality. Right. If they, if they consider Thanos the main character, then yes, we have a and beginning, do, a actually. middle, and an end, and it, you can get away with saying it's a completed film. But, I mean, that's such sort of a, I don't know, slimeball way to, you know what I mean? It's, he's, it's a character it's, we barely knew going into this, you know, tiny little snippet at the end of the Avengers, a little bit of Guardians. But it's the heroes whose side we're on. It's the heroes who get it at the end of this movie. No one's going in considering Thanos the the protagonist. No. So well, I feel like that's kind of a cheat. We're on the side of the Avengers, and this is very much a half a movie, I feel like. It, it, is, it is a little bit of a cheat, but Thanos thinks he's the hero, and I think that that's an important distinction to make. It's... It, it is a little bit of a cheat, but I think that it works, and I think that it's interesting, and I think that that's one of the reasons why this is such a uh, a ballsy film is that it you know it dares you to at least see and acknowledge that he has a point, uh, you know, kind of in on a much <laughs> much more cosmic, grander scale uh, than Killmonger, but you know, I mean, this is the second Marvel film in a row, uh, you know, where the the villains kind of you know he he's definitely got a point. You know, and it's difficult not to acknowledge that. It gets compared a lot to The Empire Strikes Back. And the thing is, is I don't technically I don't know how similar eh? they are besides being dark. I mean, The Empire Strikes Back just sort of it doesn't really have an ending. It's just well, sort it also, of Empire Strikes Back also doesn't really have a story. You know, and, and again, a lot of this kind of depends on your perspective. But I mean, Infinity War very much does have a story. Uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back feels like a, a middle installment in a, in a serial. Whereas Infinity War definitely has an ending. I mean, there are because we know how the movie business works and because we know how there's another one coming next year. We can sort of see the loose threads behind, you know, behind the scenes. But they're not really there in this movie. If you knew nothing about anything, if you didn't know there were more Spider-Man and Black Panther movies coming out, if you had no idea what box office was. I, I don't think you would know where this is going next. I wouldn't know if you'd be sure that these characters were coming back because the movie doesn't really tip it off. Well, and a lot of people, a lot of people didn't. I mean, sitting in my screening, uh, you know, which is just a, a regular Saturday evening screening. I mean, there were audible gasps uh, from the audience when, you know, when Spider-Man disintegrates and Black Panther you know, turns to ash and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and it's like, and it made me almost a little bit, uh, sad that I pay attention so closely to, you know, to the development of these movies. And the thing is, I don't think you have to pay attention that closely to know that Spider-Man's not dead. I mean, come on, it's Spider. Well, I mean, it's but. again, it's, see, to me, and this, I guess, I mean, we'll probably get into this sooner or later uh, in the discussion. Uh, you know, a lot of because uh, I, I I keep hearing that a lot. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's hard to hard to get invested in Spider-Man dying when, of course, they're going to bring him back. Well, it's like. Yeah, of course they're going to bring him back, but Tom Holland sells that moment of he's great. You know when when he's you know his voice is shaking, he's like I don't want to go, and you're like oh my god, 
because it's it's painful for that character in that moment. It's painful for uh, for Tony Stark, you know, probably probably the most beloved character in the entire MCU. You know, it's painful for him to see this kid that he's tried to help and and protect and all this kind of stuff. And there's literally nothing he can do. The character doesn't know that that Spider-Man's coming back. And so it's awful to watch, you know, to watch Tony have to see this stuff happen and realize that he is no matter, you know, no matter, no matter how much nanotech he's got, he's helpless. And it's, and he's stranded on a planet. God knows where, I mean that, you know, this might as well be the end. You know, and I, I think that that is pulled off so incredibly well, uh, you know, that it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know it, it, it's probably going to be undone. The fun part is how is it going to be undone and how is it going to affect these characters, you know, along the way? While we're here, I do want to say you are absolutely correct about Tom Holland being amazing in that scene. Tom Holland is a godsend. He is as some Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. He is the perfect ideal three-dimensional embodiment of that character he's amazing i hope he plays him till he's 40 i can't even <laughs> that, like the toby Maguire ones i mean i like spider-man 2 i'm okay with parts of the first one i don't even know if i can watch those anymore i honestly don't know if i can i just tom holland is spider-man for me he's it's ev- like he's everything I... I ever wanted from the character he's exactly how i've always envisioned and read the character it's it's just an amazing bit of casting I actually, I went back and I revisited the first two not too terribly long ago, and they hold up. They hold up incredibly well, I think, especially the second one. Uh, it's it's just like it's like reading, uh, you know, a different uh, writer on the Spider-Man comic. You know, it's like you're reading, you know, someone's take on him in Amazing Spider-Man versus you know the Spectacular Spider-Man. I mean, there's 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 room for you know there's there's a lot of room for for writers to kind of give their own. My my favorite Spider-Man is uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man that Brian Michael Bendis wrote. And maybe the first fifty issues of that, and maybe Holland matches up nicely with that, which is why I like it so much. He does actually. I mean that that's actually a really good comparison. So uh, yeah, so let's get into the deaths. Uh, I'm going to read another short segment from my review where I say, yes, there is death in Infinity War. Some of it is surprising, some of it is heartbreaking, and some of it is of the what the fuck is even happening right now variety. It's that last one that may get the Russos in some trouble, as it comes courtesy of a ballsy, and some might say aggravating, final half hour, which leads to a whopper of a cliffhanger that both annihilates the status quo of the MCU and maybe undermines some of this film's more effective scenes. So it's that last part I want to decode a little bit, which is that if we see Black Panther and Spider-Man die, and we know they're going to overwrite at least the final 15 minutes of this movie, if not more, how do we know Gamora's staying dead? How do we know Loki and Heimdall are staying dead? I don't think we do. And in fact, I I think it's very slim that James Gunn is going to be making a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 without Gamora. I just don't see it happening. So if the movie leaves that door open where none of those deaths may count, doesn't that rob the film of its sort of emotional heft because i think the argument can be made that it certainly does well this kind of goes back to what i was saying just you know literally before we yeah, i know you, you got it you got ahead of me but yeah it does i wanted that's why i wanted to bring it up now <laughs> right um i think it all depends on how they go about 
writing the ship, as it were. To me, it's, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. You know, it's about how, how these characters react, uh, in the wake of what has happened. You know, like, okay, like, let's say that, let's say that's, yeah, okay, when Spider-Man gets brought back, will he remember being disintegrated? Is that, you know, is that something that's going to carry with him? Uh, at all? I mean, how is that going to affect, uh, the character moving forward? I mean, you know, will they have, uh, these diverging, uh, timelines in their head or something? You know, it's like, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I can't claim to have any kind of grand theory or. Well, I mean, I, insight. I've definitely put money on where we're headed, which is that by the end of the next one, either Steve or Tony is going to sacrifice themselves to rewrite history. I mean, that's where we're going, right? To save some, to save some, if not all of these characters, we're gonna lose Tony or Steve. That's I don't know. I don't. I don't know if one of them will be sacrificed. Like that. That's gonna be what you know corrects the timeline or whatever. I feel like um, it is. Uh, I I feel absolutely certain that either Tony or Steve will be dead. Uh, you know, at the end of the next one. But I don't, I don't, eh, I'd say 50-50 kind of being it. Either they, either they die fighting Thanos and, you know, it, it kind of being, you know, this, uh, you know, this Pyrrhic victory because they, you know, they sacrifice themselves to, to beat him, uh, or they sacrifice themselves to write the timeline. Uh, I kind of put it at 50-50 there. All right. Let's do some more, uh, odds and percentages. Uh, odds that Gamora stays dead. Uh, zero percent. I, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is gonna be the search for Gamora. Uh, you know, I mean. Oh, I it, like it. Nice. I mean, well, because, like, when, so when, after Thanos snaps his fingers, which, can you even snap a gauntlet? Like, is that, is that a thing you can do? <laughs> I've, yeah. I've never tried, I've Let's, never tried this. I, I, I guess, I, I kinda I wanna you, try now. I, well, I guess you can, because, oh, he uses the reality stone. In that reality, you can snap a gauntlet. Yes. So, you know, whatever. Um, but no, so after he snaps his fingers, uh, it's hinted that he's like kind of inside the soul stone somehow. Right. Cause we see young Gamora. Right. We see young Gamora and you know, it's got that very heavy orange glow, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I am betting that, you know, there is a way to, uh, extract young Gamora, uh, and find her and rescue her and bring her back. What about Loki? Um, I would actually put I I would put money on Loki being like completely dead. Like, okay, if he comes back, he's still like I I think Hiddleston's done. Okay. Uh, so, so I would I would put money on like the character after the next one. Uh, you know, we don't see him until they recast him again. But see, then they're gonna have to explain because these are two characters that didn't turn to ash; they died by natural causes during the course of the movie so if loki stays, well, it, if loki depi- stays dead and gamora doesn't we're, there's it, gonna have to be an explanation for how that is i think it depends on like how they end up time traveling and like how far they go back and you know because i mean there's it's like you know you change one thing you change right. everything you know the whole butterfly effect and here's thing. the thing up until the end i really thought the deaths in the movie were, were well done because uh loki and heimdall their deaths are early on established the stakes which is good. And then Gamora is the big surprise death 
that is really the emotional death of the film, it works very well. Just excellently, surprisingly done scene. And then I, I was really on board. I'm like, these are smart decisions to make for who to kill in this movie. And then at the end, again, it's kind of like, uh, but did they? So we'll see how it plays out. I think the case can be made. It, it, it hurts the film a little bit. And let's say, let's say Gamora and Loki are both, both dead. Let's say they're both dead. They're not coming back. We both think that's unlikely. But if that's the case, this movie would have been much better served by somehow letting us know that those early deaths are going to stick. If that's the case, which is probably not. But all right, moving on from the death. We're talking about, we've been talking about Gamora in the Guardians. Uh, Stu, I posit that this is a better Guardians of the Galaxy movie than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was. Do you agree or disagree? Um, you know, it's hard to say because it's like, I really enjoyed Volume 2 uh, when it came out. I haven't watched it again since then. Uh, it has diminished somewhat, you know, just kind of in my mind since then, but I, I still think that it's, it's, I still think that it's good. I think that this movie gives people more of what they wanted and expected out of the characters and their interactions uh, than Volume Two did. I'll put I'll put it I'll put it that way. I think they have better material. Like I I think Drax's jokes are funnier in Infinity War than they are in Volume Two. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I would agree with that. And I um, think again the Gamora Quill relationship doesn't really advance at all in Volume Two, and then it's advanced in this film. And that's one of the problems that I kind of have uh, with this is that, like, you know, Volume 2 doesn't really bring us anywhere as far as Quill and Gamora's relationship right. goes. They're in this exact goes. same place where they were at the end of the first movie, which maybe was dictated by what the Russos were doing. I even wonder that, too. If right. Gun, if Gunn was specifically told, look, you have to stall on the Quill-Gamora relationship because the Russos are really dealing with that Infinity War. I think that's right. likely. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would. There's good odds on that. But that hurts Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I mean, one of one of the issues with Guardians of the Galaxy two is that like is like this movie, it splits everyone up. Yes. Um, you know, and so what you know what you, you want the band back together. You want the band being the band and doing, you know, playing the hits, uh, as it were. And uh, Volume 2 expressly did not do that. Uh, and this one very much does that, um, you know, aside from keeping uh, Rocket and Groot away. Um, you know, this this gives a lot of what, you know, a lot of what you wanted out of a out of a Guardians film. So, yeah, I think it it works really well. I like the Guardians sections a lot. Um, even Star-Lord, uh, I, I, our friend Tim Kelly and you in conversations we've been having online this week have both mentioned that you guys might be getting a little tired of Star-Lord or he might be your least favorite character of the Guardians at this point. Is that true for I mean, you? I, I think he, it's... They really need to start making him less of a man-child, uh, which is difficult because that's the entire hook of the, that's the, that's the, entire hook of the character. Um, you know what? I totally agree. I think at this point they'd probably be better served by making Quill a little more of a straight man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he's because it, it it's at the point now where it's just like okay, it, it's kind of it's all it's interesting actually because it's it's almost sort of like uh, Andy's arc in Parks and Rec, right? Uh, 
where toward the end of Parks and Rec, it's like Andy is so stupid <laughs> that he would not no, no human being would literally be able to function in <laughs> in society if they were that dumb. And and it's kind of and it's the same thing with Quill is that like like okay yeah you, you know he's just kind of living by the seat of his pants um, for the longest time and just kind of being this doofus. You know what's interesting uh, though? I mean, I but still. It's like I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that Quill would would be a leader of a team like this, uh, and survive in the galaxy the way that it, it exists here, and still just kind of be this, you know, this windbag who really isn't that great at what he does. I, I look. I know there are. There seem to be a lot of people online at least in sort of cinephile geek circles that get turned off by chris pratt i still really like the guy and maybe it's just because of my love for parks and recreation which is probably my favorite sitcom in the history of television i never got tired of his antics during the entire what was it seven season run of that show i'm starting to get a little tired of them in guardians and i think there's so much humor going on with drax and rocket and everything else going on around them even even Mantis is pretty funny. I, if you dial him back to sh- uh, more of a straight man position just a little bit, still give him some humor, still allow him to be Chris Pratt, but just dial it back a bit. I think it might be for the better sort of long-term survival of those characters. Yeah, no, totally agree. And speaking of Mantis, Mantis might have the best line uh, in the entire movie with uh, – kick names and take ass. I, I Again, I totally agree, and it's what I said earlier. I think I like that actor, uh, Palm, whatever her last name is. Clementine. Clementine. Palm Clementine. I like her a lot. I like her in Volume 2. I just don't think the jokes are all that great. I think she gets much better jokes this time around, even though it's not a full Guardians movie, so it's not she... as much quantity. It's just, they're, it's just the scenes that they have are so well scripted and so funny. I, I will I will definitely agree that that she uh, fares the best at uh, you know with her, the material that she gets here versus uh, what she had in Volume Two. One hundred percent agree on this that. movie. I mean, my excitement for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three probably waned somewhat after two, but now I'm stoked again thanks to this movie. And we'll see how the Gamora situation plays. Well, out. Well, and it, you know, it, it helps that that Gun Gun wrote all the uh, all of the Guardian lines. Did he? Yeah, I did not. I saw that he picked the song that they were introduced on. You're sure he wrote their dialogue in Infinity? I World? am. I am 99 percent sure that all he right. did. Right. If this is wrong, you guys yell at Stu online because I had. I don't. I don't know play. if he wrote all of it, but like at least the stuff where they're interacting as a group. I uh, mean, I don't want it to sound like I'm hammering on Gun too much because he also created the first. He wrote Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, which is still my favorite Marvel movie. So you know, it's. I would believe it if if he did. Yeah. All right, uh, biggest opening weekend ever, box office, both domestic and worldwide. Stu, you asked me online if I thought it was going to make more domestic than The Force Awakens, and I said no. Are you still thinking it might? I don't know. I think my opinion of that will kind of hinge on how it fares this weekend. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest tell. Uh, because, I mean, this, this is something like, I, I mean, like, people are... It's going to be really interesting to see how people react, you know, to multiple viewings of this, especially given that it's such a downer uh, at the end. So yeah, I don't. This may, uh, it's, this it's may not be repeat viewing for kids. Like once one show right, may have yeah, traumatized be, them enough that it's like I ain't going back to that. 
then again, I mean, it's like, I mean, we also live in, in a entertainment realm where, you know, people love talking about the shocking deaths on, you know, Game of Thrones and yeah. Walking Dead and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, oh, oh, wow. Shocking stuff happens. Got to go see this. You know, I, so I, 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 I don't know. It, it'll be really interesting. I don't think there's any chance it catches The Force Awakens domestic. I, I mean, there was just so oh, much. No. There was so oh, much no. pent up demand for more Star Wars, for good Star Wars. Uh, when that movie came out across all demographics, I just I I can't see this playing as as long and as well as that. did. It'll probably be closer to what The Last Jedi did. Um, are, here's a, I, I was going to say, are we sure it's even going to pass Black Panther? But I guess after that opening weekend, it probably will, huh? Yeah, I think it will. And worldwide, uh, can it catch Avatar worldwide? No, it, no okay. Nothing, I, I don't think anything will ever catch Avatar worldwide. Which has like a half a billion dollar lead on like what's ever second. Uh, I mean, it has a huge lead. Force Awakens. Right. Force Awakens couldn't catch it because Star Wars doesn't play well in China. Uh, the well, fa- and it's, it's the Fast just, and uh, Furious has actually come close, but don't quite get there either. It's it's the simple fact that nothing stays in theaters now long enough. Like even even if like even if the movie was more popular and like had a better you know pop cultural imprint and footprint and reaction, Jumanji uh, hung the- around a long time. Huh? Jumanji hung around a long time. Uh, yeah, but still, I mean, it just, uh. I know what you mean, where it's in first place 13 weeks down the road. And... Well, it not, not even that. It just stays in theaters. Like, right. that's the thing that people kind of forget, like, with Titanic. Like, Titanic stayed in theaters for almost like a full year. Which is, which is yeah. insane to think about. Yeah. Like, I, no movie, like, it, like, I, Black, listen, Black, I, Black Panther is coming out on Blu-ray. On the 15th of May, it came out on the, like, it came out in February. That's bonkers. Right. Well, Black Panther's, like, still in theaters right now, isn't it? It is still in theaters, uh, but that's, like, the exception. I wonder how many people went and saw Black Panther and then saw Infinity War. I know I had several, I know, I had at least a couple friends that, uh, that went to go see Black Panther and then, like, hauled, hauled ass, uh, <laughs> to the next theater. Did they buy two tickets or did they sneak in? Uh, no, they bought two tickets. Oh, very classy and upfront of them too. You hang well, out. They with, are. You hang they out are with good adults. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. That is really something you should be pulling off with you when you're 15, not 35. Right. I mean, you know, it's like you do that because you don't have money. Oh man, when I was 16, I did that shit all the time though. Well, first it's sneaking. In, first you buy. We bought tickets to PG movies, and then you go into the R movies, and then right. it was, and then it was you had double movie days. You buy tickets to one movie, and you sneak from one movie to the next. Teenage me pulled that shit all the time, Stu. I never did that. I never had the chance to do that. All right, that's enough talks about box office. Too much box office talk. My <laughs> eyes glaze over. It's just—it's such a huge story. I wanted to get a little bit of it in there. Uh, uh, last, the last thing. We'll make this the last question. Biggest surprise in the movie, and was it Red Skull or was it something else? Oh, geez. Um, maybe the Red's- ending. Maybe one of the deaths, or was it just seeing Red Skull again? Red Skull was definitely, like, I had a feeling he might show up, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure, especially given how uh, uh, Hugo Weaving apparently just did not enjoy playing the character. Right, so at first it was a matter of would they be willing to recast. Right, and clearly they were. Yep. Uh, So that that was a really nice surprise. Um, Honestly, 
the biggest surprise for me, which I mean, it shouldn't have been, but it still kind of was, was uh, just letting Doctor Strange go absolutely hard uh, and crazy with his powers. Mm. You know, like beyond anything that we saw in uh, in his solo movie. Like, I mean, we got the Crimson Bands of Satorak, we got his mystic sword we got i mean we got all kinds of crazy stuff cumberbatch was on point and doctor strange is fantastic in this movie. he i okay here's here's the the biggest surprise for me i guess the most delightful surprise they just had him go straight into the full acceptance supreme like just yeah that. like there wasn't like oh well, i'm still not sure if i want to do this like nope he is 100 percent on board with being Sorcerer Supreme, and here's how we do that shit. Yep. So that that was probably the biggest uh, delightful surprise I was, for me. They went 100% with that, and it was great. I, I I sometimes I feel like I'm Doctor Strange, the movie's biggest champion. That one is in my top five Marvel films. I really, I, really like him a lot. I loved seeing him sort of unleashed in Infinity War. Um, Red Skull was pretty great. When I saw it, I saw it at a critic screening. There were maybe 30 or 35 people in the theater. There were some guys sitting next to me and my buddy. And when that scene came and you see his visage sort of appear from under the hood, the guy sitting next to us screams out, Red Skull, fuck yeah! (laughs) Right in the middle of the theater. So definitely there were people excited. They did recast. Uh, They got Ross Marquand, who's on The Walking Dead, who's sort of a famous impressionist to be the voice. And I don't think they used makeup. The character to me looked totally CG uh, computer generated at this point, which I think it was. Yeah, probably. Um, but still, I mean, it's it's the MCU. It's the Marvel Universe. Considering he didn't die in Captain America, he was sort of beamed away by the, the Tesseract. He he had to come back at some point. And uh, it was a it was a really cool way to do it. I think, yeah. I well, think considering, it was you know, the character of Death plays like a much bigger role in the original comics and the whole sort of iconic Grim Reaper look to sort of like tie him into that character. So right. That, so that's sort of like a nod to the comic storyline and a way to bring the Red Skull back. I just thought it was very well done. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know what I was surprised by? Because I don't pay attention to casting news and stuff like I used to. I either never knew or totally forgot that Peter Dinklage was in this movie. I no yeah, idea. I completely. I remember because I remember reading about it when I saw him. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember reading I, about him." I I didn't remember he showed up, and I'm just like, "Holy shit!" And my buddy leans over and he's like, "It's the Dink," and I'm like, "I I didn't know." It's great. And I, I'm a big Peter Dinklage fan because I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, so that was delightful. And well, I've he heard, is a big I, he is a big Peter Dinklage in this, yes, so it works. Is. And I know some people have talked about those scenes, dragon or whatever. I like the Dinklage scenes in this movie. I like the the. Thor restarting the the furnace and building the new weapon. That stuff works for me. Also, it gives Groot his only useful scene in the entire movie. So, <laughs> I I really hope that we uh, get grown up Groot back soon because I think uh, he'll be back in Volume Three. Ba- baby and teenage teenage Groot just don't really do much for me. Uh, so. well, I liked Baby Groot, but. He wasn't used that much in Volume Two, which I think was fine. I think it was the Baby Groot. Is, it Baby was Groot the appro- is fine as a It gag. was the appropriate amount of Baby Groot because it was just a gag. Right. Teenage Groot, I didn't really like at all. It was also pretty much just a, a lazy joke about how teens act, but also right. barely, barely in the movie, and he got his one little scene at the end. You know, where right. he gives up his arm. Yeah, I'm with you. We we need adult, full voiced Vin Diesel back for Volume Three. 
Yeah, agreed. We don't need like slacker college Groot or <laughs> anything like that. Let's get back to Stoner Groot. <laughs> no, don't need it. Uh, Stu, that's all I got. Any other comments you want to make about Avengers Infinity War before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I just, I, I feel like we, uh, need to, uh, acknowledge how great Josh Brolin is in this. Very good. And, and the best thing is, is it's a Josh Brolin performance. Like, you could yeah, tell, it, you could tell really that's is. him doing that. It's not, the, you know, it's not entirely the computer artist. Right. I mean, like, I mean, kudos to the motion, you know, performance capture stuff, uh, evolving to the point where, you know, that performance really shines through. Uh, but he just, he, he he gives the guy, you know, who was previously just kind of this one note villain. Uh, he really does give the guy a soul. I mean, he uh, you you at least buy into the idea that Thanos is convinced that he's doing the right thing. Yeah, I there was a lot of talk before this movie about well, is Thanos going to disappoint considering the lead up? And there was also some talk that people didn't like the design on him or the way he looked in the trailers where I think all of that ended up being nonsense. I think he totally lives up to the lead in and I thought it, he looked great on screen. And yeah. Then, and then to your point, yes, he's a totally well-rounded villain. I get where he's coming from. I get his motivations. You know, it's not Hans Gruber. It's not the greatest villain we've ever seen on screen, No, but, but it, but it works. Yeah, but it totally worked. I totally bought into it. I think I thought Thanos was, pretty wonderful in the movie and i i've seen some reviewers critiquing uh critiquing him and still sort of critiquing his motivations i don't really get it for me it worked 100 percent. and yeah I, and i think a lot of that had to do with brolin yeah he he did great he really really did and now he gets to go on and be in deadpool like two months later so <laughs> nice, nice summer for him i kind of miss like cohen's brother josh brolin sometimes but i guess we can't begrudge, begrudge the guy getting his superhero action on no, well, I mean, you know, he's... Uh, he still does well, stuff. He's, he does still do stuff, so... Uh, All right. He's got, he's got the, why are we getting a Sicario sequel later this year? <laughs> exactly. All right, Stu, thanks for joining me, as always, to talk about Infinity War. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us on Twitter, at Robert B. Taylor, or at StuBeDoo. You can also find the website at CultSpark. We're at CultSpark.com. If you haven't read my print review of Avengers Infinity War and would like to, uh, you can also find our website on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Just do a search for Cult Spark two words. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you and later. This, oh, 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 Stu's cutting me no, off. No, last, last, last minute Stu. plug, and go on, go on to Amazon and buy Van Damage Report Volume 1. Kindle Van, edition. Van Damage Report Volume 1 by Stuart Smith. Right now, everybody leave. Please go buy it. It's an awesome book. And we were, okay. We were now thrilled. we can end. Now we can end. Now, now we're good. That's how That's how all these podcasts are in it now, aren't they, Stu? <laughs> For like at least six months. Probably, yeah. Right. We'll see everybody down the road.